0: What up? We are back again today in the studio and it is time to get the ball rolling. What up? We are back again today in the studio. Excited to be here with you guys. Once again, rocking with you. I know it's been a while since I've put out a podcast. Uh, We did have week zero in that time along with week one. uh, I had some uh, family come down and visit in beautiful sunny St. George, and so I decided to take a little bit of a break and enjoying that post-graduation life, and it feels so good. Uh, I was able to watch a lot, a lot of football over uh, this last weekend, uh, despite spending time with with family and stuff. Uh, That's just kind of how Labor Day goes. So I'm excited to be talking today a little bit of FCF. So we'll do our introduction, uh, games that surprised us, uh, a lot of things that I saw in week one, give you my commentary and what I'm looking forward to in week number two. And so I'm not going to beat around the bush any longer. The week one storyline was definitely the way that the FCS played against the FBS. Uh, you got to give them big time kudos. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, to cover this and, and to kind of give a little bit of context. Now, um, for most of you know, you know, EWU beat UNLV, Montana over Washington, uh, and a lot of other you know really intriguing matchups as well and and close games as well. Uh, I mean. Houston Baptist only lost by 10 to New Mexico. I think that's a win for them. And uh, But I don't want to just, uh, you know, go through the, the rote kind of stuff. Uh, you guys know that South Dakota State beat Colorado State 42 to 23. Um, now I'm here to give you guys context and what I saw. And so uh, normally uh, throughout the years, you know, you might get one upset if we're lucky uh, you know all of us remember the, the the Appalachian State beating Michigan when they were at the FCS level Kind of crazy you know everyone going going crazy about that game uh, but now it seems to be a little bit more frequent and I had a conversation uh, with my father. He uh, spent he, he coached uh, high school football. Uh, for a very long time, and I was just like, I'm trying to get in the head of, of these college coaches and, and what's been kind of going in the, in the changing college football landscape. Anyway, our, our conversation was, was really interesting, but basically what I, I, I called my dad to, to think out some of these thoughts, so this is the conclusion I kind of came to. College football is is an ever-changing landscape, right? Um, we now have NIL, uh, where people can profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, we now have uh, the transfer portal. Uh, if you guys remember way back when, and uh, really not too long ago, the transfer portal was very rarely used. When you heard someone transferred, you were like, "Wow, that's they must really have hated the school where they were at." I mean, could you imagine uh, wanting to transfer away from a school that recruited you? And then, as as you know, the years went on, the NCAA, you could kind of start to see context. Well, you know, if if the coach that recruited you gets fired. Why would you want to stay there? Uh, you don't know this guy. You're not his guy. He wasn't recruited, and you want to go to two years where some where you're loved and where you're wanted, not just um, you know a really nice piece. And I, and I defended that. And I have defended the transfer portal quite a bit. Me, myself, uh, I was actually able to be in the transfer portal. So I was able to experience what that was like, uh, not because I wanted to transfer from my alma mater, Dixie State, but because I had graduated early and I still had two years of eligibility left. Uh, and so I can kind of give you a little context on that, and and, and you know, it is a scary moment for college athletes. Uh, you spend time however long, I mean, you see some people where it's like six months, it's like, well, I don't really know how much you could have really enjoyed the campus or the community, um, but when when you're in the transfer portal, it's it's, it's kind of scary because it's the recruiting process all over again. But out of high school, it's fun. Uh, you're telling your buddies, "Hey, um, you know, I'm being recruited by TCU. Uh, I'm being recruited by Vanderbilt, and uh, I got a full ride scholarship to Montana Western." And uh, and then you go down and you meet some of these coaches. I went on a run with a, with a, with a coach. I was able to go tour Dixie State's campus. I feel like that's the one, and you feel great about it, but the transfer portal is completely different, Uh, at least in my experience, because I was like, I'm leaving my alma mater. I love St. George, Utah. I don't want to leave. I put my my heart, my soul, my blood, my sweat, my tears, my throw-up cross-country runner style, you know, into this and so the transfer portal is this unique place where you know teams are able to find um it's almost like a, a, a juco what, what juco used to be because if you can get a kid that's only that's been in college for two years uh obviously there's not going to be any academic problems because uh you know if he's d1 they're going to maintain the same kind of standards they're going to understand the college lifestyle, they've been away from mom and dad. And honestly, re- that is where a lot of the recruiting's going to. And if you're at Alabama and you don't want to, you know, you might get four national championship rings, three national championship rings, but you may ne- may never see the field until your senior year. So I think that the coaches that are able to utilize uh, the transfer portal are very, very smart, and I think those are the ones that are going to be excelling going forward. Uh, kind of a unique, uh, you know, if when you sit down, and you really think about the transfer portal, it really is 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 a really cool thing. So we have NIL, we have the the transfer portal. And then we have, obviously, COVID, uh, the, the COVID restrictions, uh, how it affects in, di- in every different state. And I'm not going to get into that because I know uh, too much, but the one thing I do want to focus on is, is a theory I had in the Olympics. Uh, again, we're going to use a, a running example because that's what I know. That's kind of my world, along with football being been around it, right? But in in track, when you're training for a big race or for cross country, uh, I did both, right? When you're training, uh, you do these these little races. To get you ready for for the big one right and in a cross-country season starts in pretty much March for for me and we're going to end at the end of November and so you have these training regiments uh, you know okay this week I'm going to peak I'm going to get up to 95 miles and the next week I'm going to drop to to 40 miles uh, to give myself a, a break and then I'm going to ramp back up to 90 and you know you kind of have these ebbs and flows different speed sections and stuff like that well with the Olympics those guys are are on a whole nother plane than what I even comprehend. But from what I understand, they're on a three and a half year cycle where they give where they're getting their bodies ready uh, prior to the Olympics. You know, six months to three months out, they're not going to be doing a lot of races. They're just going to be training, tuning up, being very very cautious with their bodies. Lots of plyometrics, lots of uh, you know massages, not really intense stuff. And obviously, COVID twenty twenty Tokyo gets postponed to twenty twenty one, and all of a sudden, like it looks like the world is starting to catch America. Which you know what? There's a lot of different athletes out there now that I think that are are really good, and uh, maybe maybe it's that. But in my opinion, I think it's because of the the, the physical regiment. Uh, the the athletes weren't prepared to sit out a whole another year. Their bodies, and multiple time, you know, Allison Felix, these these Olympians that have gone multiple times. They kind of know their regiment. So now we put that into context, right? The bigger schools are all discombobulated because they know normally it's, you know, A, B and C. And the little schools, they do A, B and C as well. But it's just not as quite as good because we have five stars versus, you know, two star, one star, whatever, what have you. I think it's interesting that I think it's kind of leveled the playing field. Uh, Practice time's restricted, uh, depending on what state you're in. Uh, You look at even Montana you might even want to argue COVID restrictions. You're able to practice more than what was, able, what was acceptable in Washington. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I would imagine so. I have a lot of family in Washington. They have very, very restrictive uh, protocols and stuff. So, if Montana is able to get on the field five days a week versus, you know, uh, UW, three days a week is going to be different. And then also, they're playing for something. and We always have that, you know, FCS chip on the shoulder, but I think it's interesting because there were so many upsets. It's like, well, something's going on. I, and I attribute A little bit to COVID, not just because of practice times and stuff, but is able to give. uh, You know, Montana played what two games last year. They were able to give themselves a full reset, ready to go uh, for this season. So congratulations to everybody, South Dakota State. You did tremendous. You you went to you were runners up. You beat Colorado State, and uh, the way you did it was awesome, phenomenal. Congratulations. But I think that uh, you know the seniors are a little bit older. Maybe Colorado State has a couple of transfers, and all of a sudden uh, that Colorado State team. I mean, I personally think that most FCS programs, well, top-level FCS programs, would be able to compete at the FBS level. Uh, that's just my opinion, but it was validated uh, this week when, we, when we're all kind of on the on the same playing field uh, with, with stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of discrepancy, disparity uh, between FCF and FBS as far as weight room facilities and stuff like that goes. So uh, the little guys were able to get the win, and that's what's absolutely tremendous. Uh, I want to go over a couple of games really quick that caught my eye, obviously the big games do, but things that I'm really excited about, and teams that I'm buying, uh, I had a little bit, I had a ton of comments uh, about what I thought, uh, you know, obviously going forward uh, into this next season, kind of teams that that I'm really excited to watch. Uh, One of them was Cal Poly, and they were actually able to beat San Diego by a score of 28 to 17, uh, both Baldwin, I believe, is the coach at Cal Poly. He was formerly at uh, Eastern Washington when they did really well. So I'm excited to see those guys uh, perform really well. I think that the the big sky is absolutely stacked. Montana, Montana State. You've got Weber State sitting in there. I think NAU is kind of a fringe team that can, that can maybe get a couple of upsets. I believe that, uh, well, SUU has played two tremendous teams, so I don't know kind of what they're doing. Portland State hung tough. And so it's going to be interesting uh, how the Big Sky kind of plays out. But if Cal—oh, and, of course, UC Davis. Sorry, I can't forget about them. Uh, And Sac State did beat my alma mater, and they're kind of like this, what are we going to do with Sacramento State? But Cal Poly, I think, is in the NAU group where they're kind of on the fringe. uh, EWU, sorry, all of these teams are are tremendous. So the the Big Sky definitely has some depth. Uh, Another team, despite a loss, uh, you know, I always say— uh, I used to say you can you can learn a lot from a loss, and I think Ted Lasso puts it better. Uh, sometimes you can win, but you really lose, and sometimes you you can uh, lose, but really win. Uh, Gardner-Webb hung tough against Georgia Southern, 30-25. to 25. I was a big proponent of G-Webb over the spring season. Excited to watch them. Uh, this upcoming fall, I think they're growing. Uh, got something really special out there. Another one, obviously, Northern Iowa. Uh, for whatever reason, they play Iowa State so, so, so tough. Uh, lost 10-16, to 16, but I think we're able to see them. Man, Northern Iowa plays a very, very gritty style of of defense. Uh, coach Farley out there is a tremendous coach. Excited to, to watch those guys. Missouri State uh, did lose to Oklahoma State 16-23. to 23. I actually thought it was going to be a little bit more. Did not bet that game, but I thought it would be a little bit more than that. Uh Obviously, a big surprise. ETSU beat Vanderbilt. Congratulations uh, to them and what they were able to accomplish. And uh, of course, I mean, we had a lot of other, a lot of other really interesting games uh, that I really liked. And I'm sorry that I can't get to all of them, but those were just some of the ones that kind of stood out to me uh, as I'm kind of scrolling through and kind of who I've been thinking about. Out, uh, North Dakota State in Albany, twenty 28- eight to six. I think that uh, Jeff Undercuffler Jr. out there for the Great Danes is going to be a tremendous talent looking to tear up the CAA. I am I was interested to see how North Carolina A&T played against Furman. They did lose. Uh, looking to see how they bounce back this next week. Obviously some of these other teams. Uh, Richmond out of the CAA did beat Howard. Don't really know what to do with Richmond as far as the CAA goes. Uh, Holy Cross did beat UConn which was uh, really impressive for them. Congratulations to them. And then, of course, Sacramento State. I do not really know what to do with them. Uh, they did beat Dixie State. Dixie State is a tough team. Uh, obviously, being in and around the athletic, uh, you know, I know Coach Peterson, tremendous guy. Uh, I'm really interested to see how Dixie State handles the season. But uh, only, I mean, they had uh, a safety in the end zone. Uh, off of an intentional grounding, so I, d- I don't know if you ever make that mistake again. So it's really you know seventeen to seven. Uh, so they got a couple touchdowns more, and uh, but but honestly, when I looked at it, Sacramento State looked bigger, but Dixie State w- felt like they were playing with a little bit more ferocity, and that's what was able to keep them in the game despite them losing. Uh, that Dixie State is up against Weaver State, our first kind of. Uh, our first game against against a Utah team, I believe, in a very long time. I know that Dixie State has played SUU in the past when they were smaller colleges, uh, but I'm really excited to see... Uh, you know this culmination of, of, of Dixie State you know now being able to be at the FCS ranks uh, you know how I uh, always got to plug that and so now we're going to be talking about week two teams I like and uh, I've been looking all over for betting lines and it might not it might be because we're on a Wednesday today as I'm recording this but I'm not finding a lot so I might just say set the line I might do my own lines here and kind of who I would take in the wins and losses but we're going to go through the, the some of the games that I like and some some of the, the teams that I'm really excited to watch okay first up on the docket is Stony Brook against Colgate now both of these teams lost in week number one Stony Brook falling to New Hampshire 27 to 21 and uh, Colgate losing uh, pretty badly to Boston College now I'm really excited to watch this game mainly because Colgate uh, a couple of years ago was very dominant uh, in the Patriot League they 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 dominated they had made I believe they had a couple of playoff wins during that time and now it seems like they've kind of taken a Step back as Holy Cross has ascended uh, there. I'm interested to see uh, both teams how they bounce back uh, against the loss. Now Stony Brook obviously was a closer loss than than what Colgate was, but I uh, honestly it was such a close loss, 27 to 26. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, it was like, you know, you're going to win some games close, and you're going to lose some games close, I believe in the law of averages, so uh, I think this is going to be a close game, I think it's going to be a very good game, it's one game that I'm definitely going to be tuning in to watch, uh, you know, you've got uh, the quarterback Fields out of Stony Brook, he did throw two interceptions, they've got to kind of shore up that, and uh, Brenneman out of Colgate did not throw a touchdown last game, so hopefully, and, and he needs to get over the, the century mark there as the QB for Colgate and so I'm definitely going to be uh tuning in to watch that it is an 11 a.m kickoff time very excited to see um just because if Colgate is good uh I mean and they're going to obviously play Holy Cross later in the season they could be a fringe top 25 team at full strength. Obviously, last year was kind of a weird year. The year before, they were kind of down. So we're almost, you know, we're three years removed from their really good run. And so I'm really interested to see what these guys are three seasons. I'm really interested to see the, the trajectory of the program and uh, and that they do play at Holy Cross on October 23rd. So uh, I, I, I just want to see where they're at. Uh, as far as uh, the Patriot League, and uh, if they could be a fringe top 25. Like I said, a few years ago, really good. Now they're kind of on the decline. Uh, Can they get back to what they were playing at? Another game that I'm really interested to tune into, just because I think it's such an even matchup, is NAU versus South Dakota. Uh, Both of these teams, again, fell NAU to Sam Houston and... Uh, South Dakota to Kansas. Now, Kansas hadn't won in 600 and whatever days. Uh, they, they beat them by a field goal, kind of a crazy scene there. But South Dakota played tough. And again, they're kind of like Colgate, where a few years ago, they had a very good run. Kind of, And I was kind of like, OK, can South Dakota sustain this? Can the Yotes sustain this in the Missouri Valley Football Conference? Uh, the last couple of years have been a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, and so in the spring season, I'd say good, not great. And so I definitely want to see where these teams are out. Like I I talked about earlier, NAU is kind of on that fringe where they could, they definitely could uh, get an upset uh, against a team like, like a Weber State or like a Sacramento State or a UC Davis. I think they're going to be one of those pesky teams. And then they also play Close to 7,500 feet, I believe, is the elevation. So when you're bringing a UC Davis team, for example, up to that altitude, uh, something they're not used to, they can't go as fast, they get tired. If you've never been at, at, at that altitude, I was in Flagstaff uh, a couple of weeks ago and, on a couple of hikes, and, and I was breathing very heavy, and I'm sitting here about 3,500 feet to 4,000. So I even went up just just a few thousand feet, and it messed with me. So I could only imagine coming from California up to there. But this is a team uh, that can be pesky, definitely, uh, Definitely, I always love watching the NAU uh, su game, the battle for the Grand Canyon trophy. But I think South Dakota, uh, South Dakota here, they have a couple of uh, really tough stretches. Uh, kind of, uh, they kind of go in waves here. Cal Poly, uh, so it's NAU, Cal Poly, Missouri State, Indiana State. I think is going to be another close game. Then you have North Dakota, Northern Iowa, Illinois State, another tough stretch. So uh, it's definitely not going to get easier. for for the the Yotes. So this is definitely going to be a crucial game to pick it up. And then you're looking at NAU. They do have to play Arizona the next week, and then they get Northern Colorado, Idaho State, and Southern Utah. So they can pick up a couple of wins there, uh, I think, out of that group. And then uh, a tough game, I believe, against Sacramento State. Idaho, I think they beat. And then again, UC Davis, uh, Montana, and Cal Cal Poly. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how these two teams uh, play, but I'm really uh, excited to watch that game. uh, On It will be on ESPN Plus. We'll be tuning in. I think it's going to be a close game. I would say around I would say a field goal. I would lean towards Northern Arizona. However, it is at home in the Dakota Dome uh, in South Dakota. So it's very close. I want to say I'm leaning NAU in this game, but it's definitely going to be one that I want to be keeping an eye Another game that I'm very interested in tuning into is a couple of CAA uh, game, well, game here, and it is uh, Towson on the road at New Hampshire. I think this is uh, a very unique game. I did not see, uh, Towson did not participate in the spring season. Uh, they were able to make uh, the playoffs a couple of years ago, uh, and I've kind of followed them. I've, I've interviewed their coaches really uh Really an awesome program that I like out there. Uh, they did beat Morgan State 31 to nothing. Now, Morgan State, I don't think, is a, is a top-tier FCS program. So it's like, okay, well, you picked it up. But you did shut them out, which was very impressive um, by Towson to be able to do that. And so, now they're looking at a very tough game on the road against New Hampshire. Uh, this is another one of those games where it's like, it's a go-either-way game. New Hampshire uh, was kind of up and down again in the spring season. It's hard to base what happened in 2020. So, if you go back to 2019, it's like, okay, New Hampshire uh, was good. Again, good, not great. They could have made some noise. They didn't get in. Anyway, uh, they did beat Stony Brook, though, on the road 27-21. to 21. So, now they're going against Towson. Uh, they are at home, and I think this is going to be a, very interesting matchup between these two. Uh, I believe JMU and uh, Delaware, Albany, those teams are are, are are the teams that I really like, but then that's kind of the first tier that I think, and then the next tier I have Towson, Stony Brook, Richmond's kind of flown in there, New Hampshire, Maine, all those teams right there, and so we need, I mean, it's like it's like looking into a muddy pond, right? You can look into it, but you don't really know the clear picture, and as these games go, these conference games go, you can Get a better picture. Week after week, we can kind of see what this team is. Uh, However, Towson put on a show, uh, and then I think in week one, you can always see you know, you got to think New Hampshire had you know, how many days between their last game to prepare. Uh, They obviously prepared those kids well against Stony Brook. They want to play gritty. Uh, Their defense had a couple of tremendous stops. And so I'm definitely interested to see this game as it kind of uh, rolls on uh, as CAA matchup very early in the season, but one that I'm definitely going to be tuning into. Next up, um, I know I don't want to uh, strictly talk about F. Uh, FCS versus FCS, but another interesting game is Kansas State against Illinois State. Uh, Kansas State is a Big 12 team. Obviously, they, you know, big-time program, and so I want to see what the Salukis can do against the Wildcats. The Wildcats did win last week, which was surprising to me because I thought they would be down a little bit um, considering that last year the the Wildcats lost to Arkansas State 31-35, to and Arkansas State wasn't an amazing team. Same thing, they lost to Baylor, Uh, but again, 2020 was such a difficult year to kind of predict, so I was like, well, I don't think they're going to beat Stanford. Kansas State came out and Beat Stanford, and so now I'm like, okay, maybe I gotta rethink that. SIU put on a show last week against always a fringe playoff team uh, against Southeast Missouri State, 47 to 21. I did not buy the Salukis. I kind of was hard. I said it was a bias that they were able to get into the playoffs last year. I actually predicted Weaver State to beat them, and uh, they went to Ogden and they beat down on the Wildcats, and so and, and they gave you know South Dakota State everything they wanted and more. So maybe it's time for me to really start taking the the Salukis and and Coach, I believe it's Coach Hill, Nick Hill uh, seriously. I think this is, I think that Kansas State wins this game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than what most people are giving it. Um, Obviously uh, Mr. Baker throwing for 460 yards last week. An amazing amazing showing. Uh, They also have tremendous receiving. uh, Mr. Cox over there, number 11 with 187 yards and uh, one touchdown last week, so they really gave it to, uh, the, uh, the Redbird or Redhawks, I believe, is what it is. Southeast Missouri State. Uh, excited to see how they play because um, they do go on a week in the middle of the season where they go at South Dakota State, home against North North Dakota, at UNI, and then home against Missouri State. It's kind of the the dreaded week. They have a couple of uh, of odds and end game like Illinois State, but I think they're going to pick up a lot of wins. But that's I think this game will prepare them for that stretch in the middle of the season another really intriguing matchup is the central Arkansas Bears against Missouri State Missouri State obviously having a turnaround season we talked about them earlier uh, in this podcast they were able to win or lose but play very very tough against Oklahoma State 16 to 23 now this is an Arkansas state team that played in the fall of last year uh, and so it was like okay what do we make of it is it was it good was it bad they did lose to Arkansas State but just a couple of year uh, a couple of years ago yeah in 2019 they were a very very good team and so i'm interested to see we've kind of have uh this older team sits out i mean plays but we but obviously doesn't count doesn't go to the playoffs We're the team that caught fire last last uh last spring this is the matchup of all matchups. I want to see this game. I want to see how the offenses play. I want to see how the defenses play. Uh, it is at home for Missouri State, which I think is a big, uh, big advantage. Uh, Coach Petrino uh, over there is—I mean, he's been in these big games. But do not sell Central Arkansas. They were actually one of my favorite teams a couple of years ago. Uh, I did—I do believe they did end up losing to uh, North Dakota State. If I. If my memory serves me but this is a big time matchup uh you know it's going to be a nice uh you know semi-cool day 70 degrees in in Missouri it's going to be a six o'clock start game I think uh I'm actually going to take the Bears in this game no just kidding because they're both Bears um, I'm going to be taking uh, Central Arkansas to go there and win. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, I'm going to go 38-35 to for Central Arkansas over Missouri State. Uh, Missouri State, I, again, I was kind of critical on them, a lot like SIU, because the Missouri Valley Football Conference was one of the conferences that just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And week after week, we heard, oh, well, we're not going to play anymore. Well, we're not going to play anymore. This team's not going to play anymore. And so... Um, I want to see if, if this team is legit, if they can sustain what, what they were able to do in the spring into the fall campaign. And then what do we do with Central Arkansas having, you know, virtually a regular season last year only playing a couple of games? But how do they uh, play against a team that, that had such a good uh, spring season? All right, just to wrap up here, just a couple more games left. Uh, one game, again, that I will definitely uh, be watching or, or following very closely, uh, Northern Iowa on the road against Sacramento State. Again, a lot of these teams set out, a lot like Towson uh, a few years ago. Very, very good, very talented. All of a sudden, uh, you know they don't play, what do we make of it? There were, we're a couple of years removed from them. Same thing with Sacramento State. Man, they have a, a monstrous offensive line. They have a couple of big old hog mollies up front. And they were able to to move Dixie State uh, very, very well. However, I believe in the red zone, they did struggle uh, a tidbit. Uh, they did let Dixie State get a couple of really big plays on them. Uh, and so they can't allow the, the, the deep play. But they've got to play that up-tempo kind of style they did against Dixie State because Northern Iowa is a very gritty defense. I don't think you can make mistakes like they did uh, against Dixie State. Again, it, it was hard to determine, but you can't make the mistakes that they did and, you know, allow Dixie State to, to, to score on a, on a couple of the mistakes uh and then expect to beat northern iowa they're going to have to play a very near perfect game now this is another one of those games where it's like okay uh northern iowa a couple years ago was really good interesting spring season are they able to bounce back what are they going to look like uh i think we're going to be this is going to be a big time uh benchmark for both teams very excited there and then finally Fresno State against Cal Poly. Uh, Fresno State played tough against uh, Oregon this past week. Now, I don't want to take anything away from them or badmouth them, but I think if there was a team that I would say, man, watch out, kind of upset alert, uh, I think I could say Cal Poly against Fresno State. It might be a little hyperbolic. Again, I do like Cal Poly. I think they're going to be a good team, and uh, if they're able to make some noise against uh, another California school like Fresno State, that would be great great. I think it's going to be close. I do think Fresno State wins by a touchdown, but uh, I would not be surprised if you told me that uh, Fresno State ended up losing to Cal Poly. Uh, I will be in attendance at the Dixie state Weaver State game. Uh, it is a little bit uh, later of a kickoff, of course. Uh, I love uh, my alma mater, and so I will support support them uh, anytime we have a home game. We'll be on the road uh, for a few games. It is on, It does start at 8 o'clock. It will be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh Coach Hill is a good, good uh from Weaver State, uh Jay Hill. He is a good uh friend of my family, and so I wish him all the best. I will be it will be the first time I cheered against him in a very, very long time because I'm gonna be cheering for my alma mater. Uh Dixie State, again, I always leave a, a little section for them at the end of it just because they're the newcomers. And I know there's other newcomers, you know, you got St. Thomas and, and, and other teams, uh Tarleton State that I didn't talk about. But but of course it's my show, so I want to talk about the alma mater. Uh, Like I said, Dixie State played a lot better than what I thought they would against Sacramento State. Uh, I think that Coach Peterson really has these guys uh, zoned in. Uh, the community is behind Coach Peterson. The football team has done things that I had never seen before uh, in the community, as far as the community. Uh, Coach Peterson uh, actually backed up Matt Ryan in college, so I'm sure he was able to learn You know, being at Boston College, learning that. Uh, had tremendous success at Snow College in, in uh, Ephraim, Utah, so I, I wish Dixie State all the best. They are going up against a very, very good Weber State team, and uh, don't kick to a uh Shahid, he is amazing. He's electric. He was able to score a run back against the Utes. Uh, I thought uh, Weaver State had a couple of penalties. Uh, they allowed the, the penalties to kind of define the game against the University of Utah. I thought it would be a little bit closer. Obviously, uh, you know, University of Utah has been the king of Utah. Uh, you know, obviously BYU fans are going to argue last year, uh, but they didn't get a play. But Utah's really dominated the state in the last 10 or so years. Weber State kind of coming onto the scene in the last five or six years. Uh, Weber State's still tough, and uh, they're going to always be tough. They're going to play very similar if you're a Utah fan, uh, because Jay comes from the Whittingham kind of coaching tree. They're always going to have an amazing defense, and they're just going to play very safe, very sound uh, football on the offensive end. And uh, I'm excited to see this game first uh, I haven't been to a Weaver State game since the Montana Weaver State game. Uh, it was the snow Bowl where Weaver State was able to win and then go on and play against JMU. They sadly lost that game in the playoffs, but it was a, it was an electric atmosphere. I assume a lot of Weaver State fans are going to be coming down to St. George. Now the only thing that I'm going to say and I think this is a big time uh, was well, a big time factor is that right now in northern Utah in the Ogden area because that's where I'm from. My, my parents actually both went to Weaver State. A lot of my friends went to Weaver State. Uh, it's about, you know, 70s, mid-70s, 80s. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, if not an entire month since they've been in the hundreds. Uh, right now, St. George is sitting in about 180. Eight and i think that is going to play a big time factor as far as cramps go uh you know make sure that you know we were state needs to needs to remember that uh we do have the state playoffs down here every year and and there's always a really good high school team in in st george and a a team from northern utah comes down their full-fledged winter here it's you know 80 degrees and they haven't been in 80 degrees since you know September it's then November and in November they're into you know snow time so it definitely plays an effect and it is it is more of a home field advantage than than what most people think but the heat definitely an interesting factor I think Weber State ends up winning it I think they win by two scores uh, I'm going to go with 31- to 21 uh a field goal so I think it's going to be I think weaver State is going to put some uh some numbers up on Dixie I think Dixie's able is going to be able to score a few more than what they did against Sacramento State they're able to get out the bugs uh that they had against Sacramento State and uh and get a couple more touchdowns again uh the greater Zion Stadium is going to be an electric atmosphere it's going to be so much fun uh Dixie State is then on the road after that so I'm excited to watch this uh, going forward. Anyway, so that's our Dixie State plug, and uh, Weber State, kind of fun that we're getting a little bit of a rivalry. Still sad that Weber, or that SUU is not playing Dixie this year. Anyway, so this has been another edition of Get the Ball Rolling, uh, FCS, on our FCS uh, part. Uh, hopefully, you know, I, I it made sense to you. I, I always try to incorporate everything. Uh, we always get a lot of fan mail, a lot of emails, and stuff like that. I'm really excited uh, that we're growing the way we are. I am amazed at the growth that we've been able to sustain over the couple years. Uh, I I do apologize. I had a lot of people message and ask why we weren't able to get any coaches on uh, this summer. Mainly because I just wanted to... It was was really hard when I talked to them uh, because they had the spring season... Uh, I didn't want to bother them or, I mean, I messaged a, a few of them, obviously fan favorites like like Jay Hill, Coach Freund, and and uh, the, I didn't want to bug them mainly because uh, they were going from a spring season ending in May and then turning around in August, so just a few months. Uh, their off season was completely different. A lot of times we're able to get them uh, when they're away from the facility and, you know, they have four or five weeks where they're not doing anything or very little or just, you know, uh, skill people there, what, whatever it is. Uh, Uh, But we're definitely going to be bringing them back on of course, again, like I said, fat, some of our fan favorites uh, will hopefully be bringing on uh, Coach Hood from Murray State here in the future. We're going to wait till the season winds down. Talk about that and then talk about the upcoming season with them. So stay tuned for that. But that's mainly what this this channel was built on, was getting those interviews and then during the season discussing what we saw. And uh, again, uh, one of the other things that I got a lot of questions on is preseason top 25. I don't do a preseason ranking and I wait till week uh, after week two to release my top 25 mainly because i don't know what to make of it i honestly wish i could wait till week four uh just because i know a little bit better and it's not about being the first or being the fastest it's about getting it right in my opinion and that's why i wait uh because i want to see where people are at and if i rank uh you know a lot of people right now have montana at number one well what happened to sam houston what happened to south dakota state yeah they'd be washington tremendous congratulations uh but was that a fluke One i I need to see how the great grizzlies play uh this week and and how they interact same thing with montana state i haven't seen a lot from them from for a very long time where do i put them and do i and how do i measure them against a missouri state team who had a great spring season and then and then loses the first game But it was a close game against Oklahoma State. And those are the things that that voters obviously do. And uh, I've been able to to vote on on not the top 25. I've been able to vote on some other things. And uh, I always take it very seriously. Uh, And so I'll definitely be writing that down, releasing that. So stay tuned for next week. We'll actually go over the top 25 next week in next week's podcast or at least the top 15. And then you can go to Twitter for the top uh, 25 if you want. Anyway, so we're going to be rolling with that. Uh, like I said, a lot of questions from the from this fall and spring. Again, Campbell, what do I do with them? Towson, what do I do with them? Montana State, uh, got to watch one more week. Uh, give myself another week of, of just – complete and total indulgence into college football anyway be sure to uh, like comment and subscribe if you have any questions or or you want to hear more about a certain team definitely drop it for me because I'm always willing to to learn and to adjust as we go forward thank you always until next time let's keep the ball rolling